0: Today's featured guest is William Worsley. Will Worsley began writing fiction full-time in 2016 after careers in publishing and investment management. As an editor at Time Life Books, he wrote and edited articles on popular nonfiction topics ranging from history to home repair As a money manager, he oversaw portfolios for large financial institutions and got the idea for his first satirical novel, Investing in Vain, named a top 10 business book for 2017 by Wealth Management Magazine. He is a graduate of the University of Virginia, where he earned master's degrees in English and business, and he lives in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome, William Worsley. Well,
1: thank you very much for having me. appreciate your time.
0: It's great to connect with authors. I connected on a a Facebook group and we're redoing an interview because I made a big oops. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I forgot to record originally. So, uh, you know, thank you very much. This is my um, second time getting to have a great mm-hmm. conversation with you. So I'm I'm quite honored myself.
1: Great. Well, thank you. So
0: you're coming to us from Arlington, Virginia. That's right.
1: Just outside Washington.
0: Are you having great weather there today?
1: We are. Uh, this is the best part of the year. Um, well, except for fall. Fall is a little better, but we, we love late, you know, the April and May here before it gets really steamy and hot and humid, which is what Washington is famous for.
0: Well, I've read your book called The Cougar Candidate, which you were gracious enough to send me a copy of for this interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about the, um, the book and how it came to be that you wrote a story about a ex-governor in California running for presidential candidate.
1: Yes. Well, I, uh, I had this uh, idea come to me as I was watching the news Um, in 2018 uh, during the Kavanaugh hearings. uh, Kavanaugh was uh, the Supreme Court justice that was being grilled uh, uh, ruthlessly in uh, some Senate hearings uh, about uh, some possible uh, Me Too issues. And there were a lot of Me Too issues back, if you'll remember, in the summer and fall of uh, 2018. There were politicians and celebrities uh, being accused of uh, sexual harassment all over the place. It was coming out every day. It was just a, a huge spate of it right then. And I had the idea right then, you know, it it didn't seem fair, frankly, because they were the other senators were kind of not giving him due process. Let's put it that way. Um, And I thought, well, why why couldn't a woman be in the same position as this? Uh, Because it was mostly women who were attacking him. So I thought, well, what if somebody wrote a a story about a a female politician that was in the same boat? Now, why couldn't she be on the other foot? So that's where the idea came from. And I happen to have a Character left over from my first book, which is Investing in Vain, which I had written in 2017. Uh, I had this uh, character who was the ex, who was a ca- uh, California governor who was running for office, uh, and she uh, she was a minor character and she only got about three pages in Investing in Vain, uh, but I and I saw the potential in, in her, but I re- didn't really want to build her up in that book because it wasn't her story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so but I thought, boy, I could just dust her off and, and make a whole book out of her. So that's how it started.
0: Well, so Investing in Vain, I I guess that um, from reading your bio, I understand that you were a full-time career until 2016 before you started writing uh, full-time fiction. Mm -hmm. And uh, Investing in Vain was the first one that you came out with. And and they're not necessarily a series, but because you have a a common character, they could kind of be a – a crossover.
1: Yes. I couldn't even have linked the books together, uh, but Investing in Bane was is more of a farce. Uh, and I would say uh, the Cougar Candidate is more of a comedy with farc- some farcical elements in it. I thought about trying to pull them together, but they were really about different things. So I decided to leave them as standalones, although they were, they were connected by one character.
0: <laughs> so the Cougar Candidate, that's a, a bubbling female politician that has a, a secret craving and... D- there's a a boyish reporter that is bent on exposing it and that's yeah. And and he could become her next victim.
1: That's right. Well, she, she meets him uh, early in the book. Uh, She's he's the uh, son of uh, an old college friend of hers. Uh, So she meets him early in the book and is smitten by him. And this is right around the time that she's deciding to run for president. Uh, So she, she spends the first uh, few chapters of the book deciding whether she wants to run and then she does decide that she would like to run. Um, she runs into him again on the on the campaign trail because he gets a job uh, assigned to her and so as uh, then he finds out that she's uh, got a potential scandal in her past and he's not doing it very well at his job so he needs a scoop. Uh, so he starts dogging her um, around the campaign trail and she becomes uh, both defensive about her uh, her past scandal, and also she becomes uh, completely uh, infatuated with him uh, to the point of becoming totally delusional. Uh, she even starts seeing a character uh, from one of her romance novels. She has a thing for for binging on romance novels, so she kind of lives in another world anyway.
0: I like how you brought that into the obsession for romance novels because you've tied it into the story so well and the campaign trail is such an opportunity for you to highlight so many of the the social issues that we have you know Me Too might have been the the one that kind of spurred everything for you but you bring up uh you know the debate over veganism and you the sexism and also highlight you know the journalism issues that we're having you know mm-hmm. they gave you an opportunity to to bring to light and discuss both sides of various different issues.
1: Yes. Well, I, I wanted to give her some politics, of course, because she's a politician and she was in the middle of a heated presidential campaign. So I wanted to be as nonpartisan as I could as an author. Um, but because it was a presidential campaign, I could hardly avoid politics. So I had to give both candidates some politics. Uh, so what I decided to do was to uh, you know, sprinkle some of that throughout the book. I wasn't taking a position on any of it, uh, uh, but I did. I did need to do that, so there were some. There are some issues like that in the book, and I tried to make them as uh, satirical as I could.
0: Yeah, and I like that uh, Patty Pitypander is a very fallible character. Uh, she makes some big political faux pas for sure. Uh, you know that <laughs> in this day and age, we've that would be a scandal right there. <laughs> but. Uh, um, You know, I like the way you've built the character and the names. I want to just highlight the pity pander seems to be quite a funny little name. And then there's also the Jack snap, the reporter. So it's like those are cute little names.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, the software that I use, Scrivener, has a name generator attached to it. And I often use that to uh, to spit out some names. You can set what kinds of names you want. Uh, you can say you want a, a German uh, last name and a French first name and, you know, male, female, whatever you want. And it'll just spit out, you know, 100 names for you. So um, and it usually comes up with some pretty funny ones, too.
0: Between the fun names and the, you know, fallibility of Patty and the just the the satire in the scandals it's a very light read it's it's nice to read something especially when it's about politics uh mm-hmm. that's light and comical and mm-hmm. so it was a very enjoyable read
1: well thank you thank you well i think the world needs more satire uh <laughs> i think satire is an endangered species uh, especially in the united states <laughs> um with our Except political. For when it becomes reality right <laughs> that's right All right that's the other issue with satire writing satire is tough today it's always been tough frankly uh but it's even tougher when reality is outrunning your your, your jokes basically
0: crazy yeah uh,
1: yeah I, I think it's the most difficult genre you can write in frankly it's it's hard to be funny for one thing and it's hard to be funny in a in a political environment that's not very forgiving so
0: you also have the challenge of you know with being that you've highlighted both sides and given a voice to even with different characters different ones i find that if you do it in a way that you do take a position you end up offending somebody
1: sure sure and i my attitude toward that is, I clearly label my books as satire. Okay, and it's really pretty easy to close a book. You don't know, like a book, you close it, you put it down. I mean, it's not like anybody is forced to read a book, what? and it's clearly labeled as what it is. Um, and I don't, I never try to offend anybody just for the sheer joy of offending them. But satire is by definition an art form that's designed to um, to poke fun at people or things. Okay, that's what it is. There's no getting rid of that. So if it's going to exist, uh, it's going to be offensive to somebody, usually the target of the satire. <laughs> my, my approach to that is to make everybody the target of the satire. So nobody can claim that I'm biased toward one side. I, I've read a lot of satires that have come out in the last few years. And I've what bothers me when I read a lot of them is that they're completely biased toward one side. Uh, and I think if you're going to read something that's 250 to 300 pages long, it gets pretty tedious to, to just, uh, unless you just want to hear your own opinion for 300 pages um, given back to you. Uh, that's not my point. I'm trying to actually make you know poke fun at people and things and and basically politicians are a great target for poking fun at.
0: So yeah you're you're creating a fiction novel not a non-fiction. <laughs> so if we if we wanted to you know have something more uh serious we could always read what, what we used to read <laughs> the uh, investment uh, manuals and what have right.
1: you. Yeah. Right yeah it's just not it's not that's supposed to be serious okay that's why i give my type my characters funny names and i create funny situations for them
0: so the investing in vain i want to just read this here that investing in vain was actually named uh, a top 10 business book of 2017 by wealth management magazine so mm-hmm. where did the idea for that fiction book come from
1: well it's a double entendre um the uh there's a the story centers around a firm called Vane Capital,
0: hmm.
1: which is based in Washington D.C. and it caters to investors that want morally responsible portfolios, which is called socially responsible investing in, in the trade. Hmm. Uh, it's basically politically correct investing, is what it boils down to. Uh, people are seeking get to, it. <laughs> to, people are seeking to avoid stocks that, that do business in do business in, in industries they object to, and so forth. Nothing wrong with that, and I don't, and I'm not satirizing that. Um, I was, I'm satirizing the, in the in the book, I'm satirizing uh, some of the issues Uh and the hypocrisy and the actions of the people, but not the not the investing style. The uh, the firm is named Bain Capital, and uh, because of what some of the people in the book are doing, they're investing fruitlessly, so they're investing in vain. Mm -hmm. So it's a double entendre. Okay, good.
0: And so did that come out of your personal experience as an institutional investor?
1: Yes. Um, I used to hire and fire money managers for big institutions, uh, endowments, foundations, and corporations. Uh, I spent 30 years doing that. And in my last years of doing that, I um, was increasingly asked to find managers who would run portfolios that, for example, would not have any Tobacco stocks in them. It, was, it started small, like that with tobacco stocks, or if it was a Catholic uh, organization, they might not want uh, birth control, you know, manufacturers, things like that. So it started small. We had an Arab organization that, you know, didn't want alcohol, things like that. So it started small, but as um, the years grew on, it became more and more common. And as we got more endowments and foundations, um, the demands got. Bigger and bigger, and it got to the point where one of one person asked us to get rid of all the healthcare stocks in the portfolio. Wow! <laughs> all of, that's, that's that's about fourteen percent of the U.S. market, <laughs> which would put me in the position of investing in vain. Um, yeah. So so that's how the idea started. I thought I'm going to be completely handcuffed here in running. In- well, how do you make
0: any returns? I mean, that's exactly. the, that's the thing. Like, I mean, exactly. there's there's risk involved there, sure. Uh, right. But I mean, so the moral complication of okay, do we make you money or do we not?
1: Right. So I was I was in the position of having to uh, compete against benchmarks like the S&P 500, yeah. which are very, very hard to beat. Uh, yeah. Most most years, most managers don't beat it with two hands tied behind my back. So that's where the investing in vain idea came from. And as the is the uh, demands got more and more. Uh, extensive. I just, they were basically following the political currents of the time. So that's why I linked the idea of the investing into the political currents of the time. Well, I'm looking forward
0: to reading that book. I enjoyed the the other one, which is your newest release, released in February. And um, I'm looking forward to that. Your history is actually like growing up in that area in Washington, correct?
1: That's right. I grew up in the suburbs, in the northern Virginia suburbs of Washington. And so I'm um, from a southern family, but uh, most most of my roots are actually uh, from Georgia and southern Virginia. I, I happen to grow up in the Washington area because my parents were in World War II um, before I was born. So they landed here to fight World War II. <laughs> wow. And then they met each other. So my mother was a, my mother was a CIA uh, codebreaker, and my father was a... Um, uh, he worked at the Pentagon and then as a professor of economics uh, in Washington.
0: My goodness, you come from great roots.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so you graduated from the University of Virginia, where you yeah. earned your master's degrees in English and business. And okay. you were also, uh, you know, in publishing, like as the editor of Time Life Books. mm mm-hmm where you wrote and edited articles on popular nonfiction topics ranging from history to home repair.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, yeah, so I spent um, my late 20s and early 30s uh, at Time Life uh, working on about 30 books, I think, as both a writer and an editor. Uh, and they were on different nonfiction topics. Uh, we sold a lot of books. Uh, I think I was on the masthead of 20 million books by the time I was 31 years old. But they were they weren't you know, I was on the masthead with a lot of other people <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't under my name. Um, Ghostwriting. So exactly. Well, we were all ghostwriters. Um, <laughs> but it was a team. It was a team effort. It was continuity publishing. It, okay. There were so people who remember time like books. It was one of the biggest publishers uh, in, in, in the world. Well, actually. I still
0: have books on the shelf. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. It went out of business uh, about 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. but uh, it had a great run about 40 years.
0: Who inspires you? Is there a particular writer, a particular genre, either fiction or nonfiction, that inspires you?
1: I like a lot of different kinds of uh, writers. Uh, in satire, I would say um, I like any effective satire. Uh, anywhere from uh, you know, Cervantes, you know, Don Quixote was the first novel, and it was a satire, mm-hmm. and it still works. In fact, I use some of the ideas. Patty is reading romance novels, you notice, uh, in uh, Cougar Candidate. And that's exactly what Don Quixote was doing that drove him crazy. Mark Twain is a big favorite of mine. I used to study him pretty extensively when I did my master's uh, in English at the University of Virginia. I like just popular newspaper satirists like Dave Barry, Douglas Adams, Christopher Buckley, he's a current uh, satirist. I guess he's the best known, he's the best published one that's still living right now.
0: Do you have an actual routine for writing?
1: I do have a routine. When I figure out what the book is going to be about, I sit down and write down the concept. And I I, I use something akin to the snowflake method, where I just take the core idea and I just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So I try to figure out what the the core idea is, and I just spill it out onto, onto the page on a Word file. And then I keep developing that the longer and longer outline until it gets... I don't know, 10, 10 pages long. Then I bounce it off some friends of mine to see if it's crazy or not, especially with the satire, because I've had some crazy ideas in that area. Uh, and i bounced them off of people who they say, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, it's too crazy. So you uh, have so some I'm,
0: alpha readers and some beta readers.
1: I have, yeah, I do. I have some people who see an early version of the idea before it's ever a book, when it's just an outline. Because I like to get feedback early on and to see if something has appeal or not. So I have a, a group of people that I, whose opinion I respect. Uh, they're, you know, they're friends and former colleagues of mine, and I'm, I'm getting a growing group of you know people that I've never actually met <laughs> for that too. Uh,
0: Advanced readers, like right. for a review team?
1: Yes, uh, I'm trying, I'd like to build a bigger and bigger group, frankly. Um, so that would be useful. But so what I do is I, I get an initial feeling And if the idea really grabs me, uh, then I keep going with it. And then I sit down and I use Scrivener, uh, the the writing software, to outline the book. uh, And I find that to be a a good environment to work in.
0: Do you use that for your file formatting or do you hire a formatter?
1: I hire a formatter. Yeah, because I I published a a paperback copy, too. So I I needed that. So I, I didn't attempt to do formatting.
0: Yeah. And your cover design is done by someone else as well, right? That's right. So the cover design for the cougar candidate is a campaign button with yes. uh, Patty's fingers, long, you know, yes. very long <laughs> fingernails.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I, I have a copy here. I can, yeah. There we go. Right there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The, the fingernails were, um, the long fingernails were my idea, actually. I wanted them to look like claws. Uh, she's a <laughs> cougar, right? So she should have applause. So uh, the uh, the artist came up with a you know a woman ha- holding a campaign button and all that. But I said, what if you could just make those things about you know half an inch long?
0: And then I have some skin under them.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right.
0: Oh my goodness. So uh, what about um, your experience writing? First person as a female being
1: a male. Uh, it was tough. I was not at all confident that I was doing anything right. <laughs> um, so I had to bounce the uh, the book, uh, the the draft, off of several uh, female beta readers to make sure that uh, it wasn't completely crazy. <laughs> or it, I wanted it to be crazy. I just didn't want it to be absurd to the point where nobody would uh, <laughs> nobody would believe it. So. It's kind of a fine line you have to walk there. Were they
0: a particular age demographic?
1: I think they were mostly middle aged Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's there are some things that you mentioned there. You definitely have to be plus forty to, <laughs> to kind of get in the sense of you know where you are in your female life.
1: <laughs> right. Right. But I've had I've had young readers, um, much much younger readers, uh, uh, tell me that everything's everything's fine there. So I don't, I'm not too worried about those issues anymore.
0: <laughs> See what you have to look forward to. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. It's it's funny how you can write people that really, really don't have enough experience to go on, but you somehow take a stab at it in the words anyway.
0: You've built your own website using WordPress, which I'm very fond of. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
0: I, I like that uh, authors use WordPress in that way. They have more control over what goes on with their site. And you have a sign up there where we get uh, a free, it was a Mark Twain article, running for governor.
1: Well, he didn't run. He was being encouraged, so he was thinking. He was thinking about it, and word got around that he was thinking about it, and that's what the article is about. While he's thinking about it, all these things are happening. Uh, these people are uh, all of a sudden these people are speaking to trash his name (laughs) all these all these all these scandals started popping up these false scandals start popping up about 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 him and so before he ever decides to throw his hat in the ring he he bows out but not before uh, all of these crazy ideas that you know uh, scandals basically are created uh, by his potential enemies
0: so we get to sign up for your on your website for that Mm -hmm. and then we'll end up on your email list and then you can provide updates about releases that you have coming up amazing whats has been happening in politics since that long ago
1: oh <laughs> well, yeah. he was, uh, he, was a, he was a great uh, of course he was a great satirist uh, he's he a model satirist and it's it's not really possible to duplicate what Mark Twain did but because his his voice is so clear when I mean, you, I mean, you couldn't you could, I, I don't think there's another you could use some of his satirical techniques but you'll never get his voice <laughs>
0: He's, just, he's the one of a kind.
1: That's yes. why
0: everybody knows his name.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty's Vane is also uh, available. You can the links are through the website to uh,
0: so having to have a copy of that book.
1: Put that up too. There, there go. we go.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, so, I had oh, the I had the cover redone actually by a Mad Magazine artist. Um,
0: Mad Magazine.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, this is the second cover actually. So.
0: He used to love the covers of Mad Magazine. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, this was a great artist. He's he's uh, uh his name is Ed Steckley. It's he's
0: a bull with a crown, is that right?
1: It's a bull. No, it's uh sorry, hold it up again. Okay, it's there it's we good. go. Well, oh
0: So I he's thought that was a crown.
1: He's <laughs> completely hog tied, okay? He's hogtied and upside down. Okay, that's that was my <laughs> idea. I, 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 I love I, that.
0: I, and I'm guessing that's Wall Street.
1: Yes, mostly, yeah, exactly. this good. is the wall street bull you, you've probably seen pictures of the wall street statue the, the charging bull oh okay? yeah this <laughs> is the charging bull okay yeah. so, not not charging. it's not, not
0: charging anymore
1: no <laughs> he's been completely frustrated that's why he's got that goofy look on his face like, yeah. what, what have you done to me
0: yeah if you spend a few years in finance and you don't see that charging bull, there's something wrong
1: Exactly. You know, you
0: watching enough uh, Bloomberg or CNN or what have you. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I encourage um, everybody to visit your website at willworsley.com. You can find both of Will's books on his website from various retailers, as well as um, several blog posts that you've written.
1: Thank you very much.
0: It was an honor to interview you, and thank you very much for your time.